I feel like generally speaking, people are pretty rude these days. Listen, my context is Los Angeles and sometimes New York, and I work in the media industry. So perhaps some of you that are listening aren't living my reality, and people in your orbit are not rude. And for that, I am envious of you. You'll hear in the episode today, I talk about how hard my parents, particularly my mother and her mother, whom we affectionately call Deed, was on us about good manners. My brother, cousin, and some of our friends attended etiquette classes and went to cotillion, which I believe are all pretty antiquated, and people don't do that anymore. But as an adult, I am so happy that we did it. Not only was it sort of fun to get dressed up, clearly, I love to get dressed up, but I loved learning how to set a table. I liked understanding what forks to use. I was into it as a little kid, and it served me both professionally and personally now. So I think it was great. I'm a cancer, which by default makes me incredibly sensitive. I am also anxiously attached, so I really seek validation in pretty much everything that I do. And when I am not acknowledged or thank, I fucking spiral. This is where I think my obsession for thank you notes comes in. Emily Post says that a handwritten thank you note should be sent after the following occasions. One, after you've received a gift, whether from a wedding, shower, or a birthday. Two, after you've attended a party or event which someone else spent a great deal of time organizing. You'll hear more on that later in the episode. Three, after receiving handwritten cards, whether congratulatory or otherwise, like notes of condolences. And then lastly, after receiving gifts or notes of well wishes during a period of illness. She also goes on to say that sending a note late is better than not sending a note at all. I could not agree more. Listen, I think that people get paralyzed by this, but at the end of the day, if I sent you a gift, I don't know, shit, two years ago, and you're like, yo, Liz, I just opened up a drawer and I found your present. Thank you so much. I'll take it. I like it. You know? People don't write letters anymore. And if I am being perfectly honest, my handwriting is trash, complete trash. It's borderline illegible after using a keyboard for all of these years. So, you know, you might not be able to read my thank you note, but at least I sent one at all. During the pandemic, I saw a socialite from San Francisco post on Instagram about a new app called High Note, where you could send a very chic thank you note via text. To no surprise, after I did a little bit of digging, the genius that founded the app was none other than Alexis Trena. Alexis and her family have been fixtures in the San Francisco society world my entire life. She is married to Trevor Trena, a tech entrepreneur, and also the son of John Trena and Dee Dee Wisely, and was the ambassador of Austria, as was his father. Alexis has impeccable, impeccable style. And she's been a creative director in the past. And what I've admired about her from afar is like her fashion is always really colorful and whimsy and has personality. And so the idea of her creating a very current and sophisticated platform for correspondence just makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, it came out last February, but it was for sure birth during the pandemic. It was such an extraordinary time if you think about it. Like here the entire world was, you know, frozen in this kind of vulnerable state of just crazy anxiety. And we were all glued to this operation 24-7. And, you know, we were there looking for connection, communication, amusement, relief. And the phone became kind of that place. And yet here we were in this modern time with so much personalization and so much customization operating in these like primitive blue and gray and green text bubbles <laughs> and emojis. Yeah. You know, it's like, and and the world was like falling apart and here we were just trying to like express ourselves. And I was like, there's got to be more. There's just got to be more. I love it. I mean, you have obviously such a creative background, being a creative director of your family's vineyard. Your sister's a photographer. You live in San Francisco. You have an amazing style. Like, you know, as a again, as a kid of San Francisco, I would go to the opening of the ballet and like see you in the corner. I'm like, oh, God, she looks so fabulous. Um, How do you like how did you come up with some of the designs? And you have so many great collaborators that we'll get to in a minute. But where did the artistic side come from? Because that's one of my favorite parts about High Note is I just feel like it's all, it's just so fun. It's whimsy, but it's very, very chic. So how did you come up with all that? Well, you know, I think so much of it was just kind of like, if we had carte blanche, you know, how would we communicate to one another? It was almost like you almost kind of wanted to take the psychology of communication and place it front and center. And then part of that formula was adding what we call kind of built-in style and taste. So it would always reflect well on the sender and the receiver. So we always wanted it to have those ingredients where if someone picked and sent a high note, it looked polished. It looked, it looked like the, it would look like something they might have created if they had the time and bandwidth to do it. And so we're always trying to find out, like, you know, we want to always create for ourselves and how all of us collectively would express ourselves with humor. And it's it's that whole idea of like humor and sass. And, you know, so much of High Note was trying to um, create a platform that allowed us to kind of communicate in the moment. So it's like our naughty self. And an hour later, it might be our thoughtful self. And then it might be our professional self and our witty self and our mom self or, you know, it's like all the different facets of our personality needed representation, not just kind of like one look and feel. It's like, I wanted to make sure that all of us, all of the sides of ourselves um, were represented. Now, have you, are you writing less handwritten thank you notes, the same amount, more on the high note level? Funny about it to the point is like, you know, those great old stationery stores across Main Street in America have vanished. So finding stationery, so finding communication like we once had is challenging. You know, we kind of talked about that a lot. Like what happened to all that? You know, greening card stores, um, stationery shops. So it's like that all kind of vanished. So it was the idea of taking that kind of traditional world of um, high expressive nature and kind of bringing it with a modern technological flair? Like, how did you marry those? Do you think that, you know, kids these days aren't writing thank you notes or or adults even? That correspondence isn't really happening. And is it okay for it to be on text versus traditional thank you notes? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, 
the world changed, right? Yeah. And so I think um, that which is old is new again. And so, you know, we keep finding these incredible phenomena where, you know, we're reimagining or kind of reintroducing aspects of the past. And I think to your point, I think that enough time has passed that that muscle behavior kind of has vanished in particular, the thank you world. And part of it is easy tools for that behavior kind of also vanished. So I think that that's kind of uh, something that's going to need to have a little bit more introduction or reintroduction and value and priority. But I think kind of the interesting concept that you're talking about is like in this new age of digital life, how do we move past blue and gray text bubbles? And I think that the idea that's so interesting to us is like, how do we inspire people to want to bring themselves to life digitally? Yeah. I think that to me is kind of the most fascinating piece. Like how do we tell our own stories and um, share them across the many moments of who we are through any given day? You've worked with people, you know, San Francisco icons like Ken Folk, Le Duboge. You have like so many fun co-collaborators and um, collabs. Anyone that, you know, you're dying to do a high note collection with? I mean, I think that that's kind of the really um, interesting piece as we look down the track, because, you know, doing those collabs are so fascinating. Um, In most cases, they are really good friends. And so I loved and valued their point of view, their humor, their sense of style, and they'd be amazing kind of partners in crime to introduce the idea of um, self-expression becoming a part of our communication. So they were amazing. And fun, fun, fun. But down the track, I mean, there are so many people. I mean, imagine imagine if we could do um, the next two presidential candidates in right. their um, capsules. I mean, come on. It doesn't matter who. It's going to be so rich and hilarious. Um, but it's, you know, looking across the cultural zeitgeist, you know, it's like you, you never want it to be predictable. We're doing coming up... Um, um, we're launching a capsule at the end of the month with Emily Post Institute. Oh, fabulous. We're doing a whole like awesome capsule of kind of the classic essential pieces that everyone should have in their digital box of communication, right? So we did, um, we're doing kind of this whole concept of introducing text to kit and all the important pieces one should have in their communication toolbox. Um, and then followed up by that, we're doing Valentine's with um, Dr. Emily Morris, who has sex with Emily. Of course, so, another San Francisco legend. Exactly. And so with Emily, we're doing, um, you know, we're doing sexting with Emily. And so this is kind of, again, introducing good communication and sex to kit. And so I think that those kind of combos are so interesting. You know, here's the world of Emily Post, 100 years of good manners. And then here's, you know, sexting with Emily. I like that combo because in both cases, we all want to elevate and um, delight with our communication. What are your top three high notes that you use the most? There's one that's the good morning to go cup of coffee. I'm kind of always sending someone like, good morning. <laughs> hey, yo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. There's different versions of um, what the fuck. And I kind of feel like those are timely all day long. The COVID ones were funny. Like, oh, fuck, I got COVID. That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, those were funny because it was just the imagery. And I think that that's something that High Note loves. It's like we look for cultural iconography wherever we can. So COVID was like... 
you know, there weren't enough hilarious COVID tests, you know, the positive, the negative, the mask. Then there was like the face shield. So we always want to find a way to bring ridiculous iconography, you know, just like imagery that is so universal and people have like a great reaction to it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of always mixing up. I love, I love kind of whatever we're focusing on at that moment. Cause then I'm just firing them off and I love to get feedback. Like, did, was that your favorite? Did you love it? Like, how could I make it better? We're always asking friends, like, how can we improve? Like, what well, you're you even want? dipping into the whole like mommy microdosing culture, which is just, you know, I think here in California, it's something that we are constantly speaking of. I have a an old beauty colleague of mine and I don't I moved a few months ago and my old neighbor said, Oh, you've got all these, you know, like press boxes, you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, read them off. Like maybe you can keep, you know, it's lotion. You can keep some of it. And he's like, oh, I got it from, you know, flora and bast. I'm like, what is what? What is that? And I came and picked it up, didn't open it, left it in my car. It's Thanksgiving. I used a high note for my Thanksgiving invitations. I'm like running around the house and I open, I'm like, oh, I wonder what's in, you know, maybe it's some good cream. And it was just microdosing mushrooms that like, like you wouldn't even believe from these fabulous beauty entrepreneurs that are like now going into it. And I'm like, wow, I'm even getting these <laughs> boxes. Like I mean, woo, I, the world has really changed. I can changed. only imagine your boxes. <laughs> My boxes are interesting. My boxes, I think being from San Francisco, you know, I knew a lot of cannabis entrepreneurs early. I don't even really it's not even a, a huge thing for me, but a good friend of mine, Nick Pritzker, he's got a, a couple of high-end brands um, that yeah. are in the cannabis world, and he's quite lovely. He sends me a lot of cannabis that I end up giving away because, you know, what am I going to do? I, you know, Condé Nast really, it keeps me busy. I'm not, I'm not sitting around smoking I'm, weed. I'm, I'm sure, but still, I mean, the quality of the boxes must be good. The quality of the boxes is fun. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Um, do your kids use High Note? So it's an interesting one because, I you know I I typically look at their age group and I I find that with girls, girls easily love to express themselves. Sure. So that's a space that's easy. Um, but my son's like, nah, they're not into it. He's like, it's like, it's not like Snapchat, mom. He's like, come on. You lived abroad recently with the boys, right? And what's texting culture like there? I always feel like it's a little, you know, a little different, or at least my friends overseas. How did you find the kind of texting culture? It kind of opened my eyes because it's everything, you know, they were really, that's how they operated. And it's WhatsApp, you know, regardless of what phone they have, it's WhatsApp. And so it was very interesting because especially during that window, when I was there was during COVID. So it became that dominant mode of communication because you can't kind of rely on snail mail. You don't know when it's going to show up. It's slow. Um, Email, same story. You know, it's who's going to look at it today or tomorrow. Maybe, maybe not. But in Europe, I was really kind of taken by um, everything was WhatsApp. I know. Everything overseas, my it is you know I kind of forget about it. I'm like, oh god, that's right. They well, like and, just don't. And Europeans are interesting because I noticed every single correspondence. So if it was a text, whether it was an email or a letter, every single communication started with "Dear Alexis." Really, dearest Alexis, my dear Alexis. Like every single piece of communication had that woman or man. <sighs> 
It was so fascinating. Do you miss living in Europe? I loved it. I mean, it was such a wild ride. And and what also kind of um, was specific to our time there was we were there during COVID. Yeah. So it was a really amazing moment in time where there was anywhere you traveled, there was very few tourists. You'd have cities to yourself as a tourist living there. So it was kind of extraordinary. We'd be, you know, in Venice and St. Mark's Square and there'd be like six people. That's incredible. And you really, and that's great for your kids because they actually were, and while it was a strange time, they actually got to kind of like feel probably what it was like to be overseas. And it's such a great kind of, um, you know, you want to take an excursion or, you know, a sabbatical like that, that's the right amount of time. If you're there too long, it's too long. You know, if you're there too short, it's like you want it to be super impactful. And by the time my kids got back, like they had such a, um, an important appreciation for another and a whole nother world. Yeah. All the different cultures that collide there. Um, but at the same time, when they came back, they had so much appreciation for our world here in the States. And yeah, they're what, like, I need a Gordo's burrito. I need yeah. to go to Marina Sl- Subs before Q closes it. I got to go. ourselves looking for burgers and donuts. I mean, that was just like, <laughs> <laughs> no. Which all of us here were like dying for an actually like good croissant. I mean, for me, I'm always just of like, course. oh my God, like get me out of here. Sanford, you know, I get interviewed a lot and people are always surprised and my version of San Francisco, right? You know, I grew up there 80, I lived kind of between Tiburon and San Francisco. I went to Common of the Secret Heart. I was a debutante, which people always laugh because they're like, what? I'm like, you, you, there's a culture, an arts culture in San Francisco. My father's first wife was like, you know, the head of the opera there for a long time. Like I kind of lived this very specific kind of, um, not, you know, my grandmother lived in Knob Hill, like a whole very specific kind of life in San Francisco. And I think people think it's all tech and it's, you know, um, really young. Obviously, there was a chasm between the haves and the haves nots. That's always yeah. been a city problem. I wouldn't I would argue it's any metropolitan global problem. What is it like now post pandemic? I think entertaining is a huge part of San Francisco or it was in my life growing up. What yeah. is it like now? Have a lot of people left? Do you feel like entertaining and having people over is, you know, as important, more important, less important? What's what is it like now in San Francisco? I mean, I think that our city was really um, was really hit hard, and recovery has been slow. Yeah, and you know, I think that you know, I think the world changed. Sure. And we're seeing it in so many facets of life. And so, you know, with that, you know, this was a very foodie nation, as you know. Yes. You know, so many of our favorite restaurants closed. So many people who worked in that industry relocated. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, you know, I think it's kind of having to reinvent what it looks like today. You know, what is what is entertaining look like today? I think entertaining today is like heavy priority on takeout. (laughs) And that's kind of a surprise, right? Right. It's become this incredible phenomenon. And I just, you know, I think, I think that getting through 2022 was 
just psychologically a really important thing. And I can kind of feel right now that there's just a lot of like, people are out, people are moving around, restaurants are starting to get packed again. And so you can feel our city crawling out, wanting to kind of reclaim familiarity. Sure. Did a lot of your friends and kind of neighbors, did they leave? Did you feel like a lot of people left? A lot of people left. Yeah. And that was kind of a, that was kind of a shock because, you know, it's in every sphere of your life, you know, from, you know, close friends, work associates, neighbors, school families, it can go all the way to the guys that work in the grocery store. You know, the guy who walks your dog, yeah, hairdressers all bolted. They, oh no. Is Alex Chase's still kicking around? God. Alex is there, thank God. But you know, it's like <laughs> the people who like really did magic to my hair, they're like, it's time to go. We'll see you. Where later. did they go? So Melissa, my hair colorist from a long time, went to Texas and we're all like, What? Oh, <laughs> it was like these are the people that really mattered. Big time. The Big time. people don't I mean, I yeah, I would have a panic attack. I mean, my, it's funny though. My hair girl, I've known her the whole time I've lived in LA. I adore her. She now doesn't have a salon anymore. Like that was the other thing, right? Is that you, you mentioned takeout and then a lot of other things came kind of mobile and in-house, right? Like everybody just kind of gave up their commercial real estate and, and something that, you know, we talk a lot, especially kind of quote in my day job at Condé is like, listen, one world trade is not going anywhere. My New York colleagues are back in the office big time, but here in Los Angeles, like not as much. I mean, and we're sort of kind of trying to navigate what that looks like in our old space. And it is a little, and as you mentioned, a lot of the restaurants left, so it's tough to take meetings. I think we are, we're almost in this in-between world, you know? Um, That's a really good way to describe it. It's kind of like we're in it, and then we're not. You know, it might be more California because, you know, my one sister lives in Connecticut. My other sister lives in um, Long Island. You know, my parents spend a lot of time in Florida. You know, it's like you can feel that those bigger states too—they've, they're, they're moving through. Oh, they're, Florida! They're on, my parents are in Florida. To, you know, they're on the other beach. side. They're like, what are you even talking about? Exactly. Well, and I think we saw you know a couple of weeks ago with the Glo- Golden Globes, right? Um, a ton of people got COVID at the Golden Globes. Like that's just. <laughs> What happens and they weren't able to go to SAG and they weren't able to go to Critics Choice. And that's wow. just kind of what but it is what it is. I, I, you know, I think the amazing, you know, nurses and doctors, like as long as we can keep them ha- like, OK, and not overwhelmed and people are smart, like we're in a good place. But when is it not OK to send a high note or does that exist? <laughs> you know, I think that. You know, one of the key things, even talking about these new worlds that we're inhabiting, you know, it's like you realize that connection has become such um, a priority. You know, how do we how do we communicate? How do we connect? And so it's kind of like one of the things that we're constantly looking at is, you know, how do we um, best express ourselves? And, you know, how do we um, in this kind of new world where personal messaging is so important? What are the stories that we're telling? Yeah. And I think people want to start telling really authentic stories. You know, you can only tell so much with emojis. They're awesome. And yet you can't really tell your story in its full capacity. So I kind of feel like people are kind of willing to dip their toes and, you know, revealing themselves more and more and more. And kind of the more that we put out 
kind of some other naughty stuff, you know, just, just whatever the, whatever the kind of, um, opportunity to kind of reveal in, in funny, colorful ways people are leaning into. My fangirling for Alexis has only deepened since our chat, and I am determined to thrust myself into the world of high note. Uh, Somebody that I've actually sent a few high notes to is Sutton Strack. Sutton is one of the newer housewives to join the infamous Beverly Hills installment on Bravo. And we met a couple of years ago in the Valley while I was co-hosting a radio show and she was the guest and I just loved her from the start. She is so witty and like wickedly funny. And Sutton just like gets it. I think she's brilliant. And her background in the arts, I think, really gives her a layer of depth that no tea, no shade. I just don't know if all the other housewives have. Like, I don't know if they have it. And I love that she's a Southern belle. And from the looks of her Instagram, she knows how to throw a party. She is gracious and hysterical with me always. And I asked her if she would hop on a Zoom and chat with me about etiquette, the art of entertaining, and a little bit about her time on The Housewives so far. I'm going to post the full episode, both video, because she looks gorgeous, by the way. She set the most stunning table for our interview. I looked terrible, um, <laughs> which which I didn't love. Um, but I'm going to post both of those full episodes on the Patreon, so go and check that out. Who has the best manners outside of you on Beverly Hills Housewives? Well, I mean, Kathy has really nice manners, if you can count. You know, um, <laughs> Dorit has really nice manners. Does she? Yeah, she does. She has really nice manners. I um, And Garcelle has really nice manners. Yeah. She said, I, I was going to say, I was thinking, I know you and Garcelle are close. I was thinking it was Garcelle. Garcelle always seems like somebody that has really. I just always include Garcelle because we are, um, we, we're so close. Sure. So that I'm like, of course she has good manners because. You wouldn't be close with her otherwise. No. I, no. you know, when I was growing up, my mother was very into, I did eventually, my grandmother moved in with us and she was uh, really a huge, I mean, she's a different, different kind of breed, never learned how to drive like really old school, intense grandmother. I loved her dearly and I was definitely her favorite, but we were not allowed to play with our toys at Christmas until we wrote everyone who gave us a present. Thank you. you And I wish I had done that. That's so smart. It's something that has stuck with me. And um, and my wife, I'm always like, did you write your thank you notes? Did you write your thing? She's like, Liz, calm down. I'm like, you have to write a thank you note. And I spoke with um, Alexis Trena, who started High Note. Have you heard of High Note before? No. I'm going to send you one because I'm going to send you a digital. And and if you'll give me your address and in-person thank you note. But Alexis Trina, <laughs> Alexis Trina and I were talking. She created a digital thank you note platform that is okay. stunning. And oh my gosh, we were, you'll love it. You're going to I'm already obsessed. obsessed. I'm already obsessed. Um, but we were speaking about how really the art of thank you notes has sort of gone by the wayside. Do you feel the same or not so much? I think that 
the conversation of thank yous is um, not a good subject for me. But yes, <laughs> I, you know, I, um, you know, I with my children, it's hard because children don't want to sit down anymore. They want to. Um, they they're always on their phones. But, you know, they it's hard to keep children in check. Sure. And so I, especially in LA, and for me to be a Southern mother with my children, one with manners and also two with, with, um, with obedience. Oh God, <laughs> it's hard, but you know, make them do it and get proper stationary and do the whole thing. It's, it may seem antiquated, but it's not. It's actually very elegant and lovely and people recognize it when they receive it. I think so. It's just nice. I, 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 first of all, I love getting anything in the mail that's not a bill. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I always, I always really like receiving them, but I also think, you know, I, I found it to be such a chore when I was growing up and my mom and my grandmother were so intense with me about it. Mm -hmm. But I now as an adult, you know, even if it's a dinner party and we just had like a great time, I think especially since COVID, it's nice to just take a minute and write someone a note. It doesn't have to be, you know, laborious. It doesn't have to be, you know, an essay. But I think just, just saying, a quick something. Yeah, yeah. Like, thanks for having me over. I think it also makes you kind of, it, in a selfish way, it makes you stop and think about how nice it was, you know? Well, yeah, but that's the whole thing. Like reflection is so nice. And if somebody has done like a table like this and taken the time and, you know, if they've cooked themselves or have someone come in to cook, they've gone to a lot of trouble. Sure. So, I mean, how, how hard is it? I Listen. Sutton, I am, you know, I'm keeping Crane stationary single-handedly alive over here. I also have a lot of fun with it because I just like to have fun stationary. I mean, that's just, you know, another thing that I can blow money on is stationary. Oh Play- China, so much stationary. stationary. It's like ridiculous. It, my drawer is full and it's all like categorized, but it's fun. And even with the boys, it's fun to get, they're like, they don't care. No, boys, they don't care. But, and, you know, Porter, my daughter, just did her um, debut. Yes. Um, in Augusta. And so they have to thank all of the hostesses for these dev parties. And she can't go to a lot of them. Um, we miss basically a lot of the fun parties because we weren't home um, for Christmas in Augusta. So she had to reply to all the parties saying that she's not able to come. And that language was fun to teach her. Sure. Thank you so much for the invitation. Unfortunately, I am not able to attend. You know, that, that language is, um, is also really nice. It's very proper. It's, you know, it's um, way old school. Well, I'm way old school, so that's why I love it. And when I debuted, I was at boarding school, so I got, I missed. Literally. And where was that? I went to um, Williston Northampton School on the East Coast, but I'm from San Francisco. So I was debuting in San Francisco okay. and I missed all every single party. And I, you know, it was kind of an interesting feeling for me because being away for high school, I had a whole different friend group. You know, they were all mostly right. East Coast or they, a lot of them were international. And I hadn't seen a lot of the girls 
that, you know, from, Com- I went to Common of the Sacred Heart. I didn't see, and uh, it's girls from all over, actually, to be honest with you, and a lot of them also went to boarding school, but we, I didn't get to see a lot of them, and so I was sort of, you know, I'm like a teenager, I'm kind of nervous, right. and those parties yeah. are fun, because then you all come together, and then you've got the big night, yeah. for those listening that have no idea about the kind of debutante ball of it all, that's, you have all these parties, and then you meet, and you debut, and you have the whole thing, but I had to miss all of them, so there I was. <laughs> In like, you know, Massachusetts writing these notes, being like, I'm sorry, I can't attend, thinking to myself, well, I'd much rather be in San Francisco, you know, attending these right. uh, fabulous parties than sitting here in a dorm room. But I think, right. you know, <laughs> Los Angeles is funny because I, I lived in New York and I know you obviously have as well. You are bi-coastal or you're actually international. For the most part. Oh, but I like that. I'm international. You are international. Um, but I think, you know, I, I need a I need an apartment in Paris. Yeah, I thought you had one. No, but I need one, right? That's next. I, I think I you next. absolutely need an apartment. Uh, in the Paris. bureaucracy in Paris might make me not so, but we'll see. Yeah, but whatever. You're just there, you know, January, what, July. I'll just rent one. Perfect. Easier. Yeah. Much easier. Um, rent one. Yeah. But, you know, um, I found when I moved to Los Angeles, th- the reputation that people are quite flaky was true. I really and I love hosting dinner parties just like you. I mean, your table is so stunning. I love it. I have so much fun doing it. I love getting a theme, you know, whatever. It's just it's a yeah. lot of fun. But when people flake out, it just it kills me because I don't want to chase somebody. It rubs respond. off on me though, because so now I'm like, oh, nobody cares. Oh, really? You? It's rubbed it's like off. A, a little bit. I know because everybody does it, and so then it's like, well, nobody cares. So then, watch it up. Um, but when I go home, it better be on time. <laughs> you, you know? It's the same way, right? Yeah, you have to be oh. on time. Do you feel like you get a schedule when you go home? Um, I have to have one because there's so many people to see. Sure. And and my mother, I have to see her first. It's easy because like I have a house in Augusta and then there's a back house and my mother lives in the back house. So, I mean, there's no excuses. <laughs> Other than you can't hear if she's calling you, you know, from the house. Oh, no, she'll come over and get me. But I, um, a good friend of mine said to me, Sutton, the first thing you should do when you go home is go visit with your mother. Just do that. She yeah. likes to come over to my house and... um we have side porches everywhere and she likes to have a cigarette and a drink. Sounds like I don't a smoke. fun guy. So, yeah, she's very fun like that. I don't smoke, but I mean, she'll travel through my house with her cigarette and, you know, I hate that, but, um, you know, it's nice to have a visit and then I can go see my friends and we, you know, schedule lunches and it gets very harried. Well, it, I'm sure it doesn't feel very relaxing. You're pretty, you know, the scheduling. I love it. You do love it. I love it. Yeah. Would you leave LA permanently ever? No. Yeah. Well, you've got Sutton concept. So that'd be tough, right? Yeah, it would be tough. I mean, uh, I like my house and I guess I like my apartment in New York. So I'm kind of, I've got my thing, my triangle. Sure. But, you know, LA can get to you. Yeah, I, I feel I, different a little bit sometimes. You feel different as an outsider in Los Angeles. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I we moved 
outside. We were in West Hollywood. We're now towards Pasadena. I, I'm actually really loving the suburban life, even though I'm arguing with my neighbor about a fence and, you know, all those things that you, t- <laughs> you don't typically have to deal with in the city because you're just in the city. Um, but I think Los Angeles can get to you, but it is sometimes, I think once you step away from it, it is nice coming back. It just depends on, you know, what I'm looking at a lemon tree. Yeah. Right outside my window. Got a great fruit tree. You know, it's so beautiful. And I love all my butterflies and my birds. I love it here. I love that part of it. And then I've gotten into this different world in LA that I'm like, okay, this is new. Well, when you and I first met, which is really funny. I had I, I was like co-hosting on that radio show. I didn't even know what yeah. I was doing. I got a phone call. I didn't call. know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either of us knew what we were doing. And I, you know, I they said Sutton's going to be on. I said, "Oh, I adore her. I feel like she and I have so many overlap friends, especially in New York and San Francisco. I want to come. I'll do it." Um, but you weren't you know, you were a friend of the housewives at that time and you were kind of, mm. you know, about to be Probably you knew in that moment, but you just were being, you know, tight-lipped. Do you feel like it now in retrospect being, you know, raised in the South, it's a totally different pace. Obviously, you were raised with lovely manners. And do you think that has been helpful or hurtful for being on reality TV? I think it can be um, misunderstood. Okay. Because, you know, people are always like, speak up for yourself. You know, be tougher. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I like for people to have their turn to speak. And I wait. And then I wait. <laughs> and I keep waiting. And I'm like, are these people ever going to stop talking? Know? Yeah. So <laughs> I, and now I, the, the art of rudeness has um, come into my life and I have to um, interject. And I, you know, I had to kind of give up table manners in that way where you just have to talk over people and I get uncomfortable with that, but I've kind of gotten over it because I have to. Right. You have to talk over people and you have to speak loudly. And I, you know, I don't like to do that either, but, um, gotten tough. I, I think you were always tough. You just had to kind of show it. I was always probably. tough, but in a, in a quiet way. Now sure. it's in a more loud way. How do your friends from home react to you being on the show? Um, I have some friends at home that won't watch it because they don't like to see me. Like, they don't like how I'm treated sometimes. I'm like, no, you have to watch it because sometimes I'm good. <laughs> And you'll like that that moment you're gonna like, right? You know when I when I really like rise up. Um, but you know, as long as I stay the same person, you know, then it's all good. I can imagine why for some of your friends it would be tough for them to see you in those positions. But yeah, you know, for you, do you think you've had to like change, or is it just you're you're really digging in deep? Um, no, I haven't changed. Okay. You know, I'm innately the same person. I just had to be like really conjure up like the stronger self. Sure. Um, so it's been good for me in that way. Okay. And not let myself get so railroaded. So that was good. That was the good part. Um, but I love, I loved 
the experiences that I've had. Um, I liken it to like being in Andy Warhol's factory. <laughs> and I do, because I think it's like, I think it's the modern Warhol factory. Sure. And how cool is that? I mean, this is pop art. And I, I just, I mean, you know, I was a dancer. I was an artist, choreographer, and I love this stuff. Right. You know, I, I collect art and who doesn't want to be a part of that? Sure. Do you and find if you get that in your mind? Like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. It's hard, but it's cool. Do you find it's difficult? Because I think, you know, what I've seen from the sidelines is the Bravo fandom is is none other. It's almost I almost liken it to sports. I mean, it true. Everyone's yeah. got their team. Everyone's got their player. Everyone's got their person and they can be incredibly supportive, but then they can also be not supportive. Do you find that it's hard to keep your decorum and your manners with the fans that sometimes get you, a little out of line? You want to you do it. You want to do it so bad. But, you know, it's, you know, look, there's such, you, I don't, you know, when I, when we were filming, I wasn't thinking about like, oh, the fans want to see this. I'm just living my life. I'm just reacting to people as I would react to people. Sure. You know, the group of women or you know, whomever is around. I, I've never thought, oh, I need to do this to make the fans happy. I think that's a bad trap. Right. I've always said, just mic me and let me go in there. I don't want to. I mean, I like the arena. Yeah, no, you, I mean, listen, you. I don't know why. I'm, I'm such a, such a um, masochist. Yeah, you're a glutton for punishment. Well, I'm a ballet dancer. We love it. Oh, yeah, you fair know? enough. That's, you guys are the, the, the iconic. Well, we love punishment. We, we are the icon. Like, just hurt us. We <laughs> love it. If, just make us hurt. If you were going to host a dinner party, and it could be Anyone from the Bravo world, who would you have? And and what would you think? Probably a table of six or eight. I don't know. I don't know what's the, maybe eight. I think eight is a good number. Okay. Who would be at that table? Kate Chastain. I'm like kind of obsessed with her because she's funny. She's hysterical. So, you know, you have to have a funny person. And then why am I going to below deck people? Because that show, like, it just fascinates me. That really cute skipper captain man that's new. He's oh, really cute. Yeah. Isn't he replacing the guy? Like, the, I think he's the main guy now, right? I don't know. I don't know. He was new last year, but he's cute. So Okay. We, the cute skipper guy. Okay. Well, yes, I'm single. So we got to do that. Okay. Then, wow. um, who else do I? Well, see, I, I really like Tanya. Okay. From Atlanta. Yep. Oh, no, Kenya, 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 Kenya from Atlanta. Then Candace and I have become friends from Potomac. So she's fun. Yep. I hear Candace is a lot of fun. I like Sonia. Yes. From New York. Only because God knows the clothes might be coming off or something. She'd be a late night buddy. She would. Certainly. Um, I have to have Garcelle. Yeah. Just because... Um, who else is in the Bravo world? You've got two more. You've got two more left. I know. I see. I need a man. Yeah, there are. Um, 
I know there's not a lot. You see those Charleston boys. I need a Charleston boy. Oh yeah, fair enough. You know, like I don't care one of them. Craig. Oh, Craig, Craig, Craig. Yeah, he's because he would he would be fun. I think Craig would be fun. Yeah, but then the girlfriend. I think they would come as a pair. Paige. Paige. She's lovely. Kind actually, of, this is kind of fun group. I think that's a very fun group. It's a I nice actually, mix, people. I do. I think. I mean, I think. Right? Yeah, I think you've got a good mix, of people. I think it'd be tough. I think that's what the fascinating thing for me, and that's why I sort of, I do love the concept of the ultimate girls trip because I think the cross pollination is quite interesting, yeah. actually, because wow. you all have a very shared, unique experience of being on Bravo, regardless of the franchise. I think it's a very yeah. unique position to be in, but I kind of like all of the little drama. I think that sounds like a lovely dinner party. I know. I should do it. I should invite them. I could invite them. I'll have, there's no cameras around. I could just invite them and see if they come. Or we create our own show setting, and that's the show, our dinner <laughs> parties of Bravo. But didn't, didn't somebody try to do that? Did they? <laughs> and people so. were throwing food? I don't know. What is the best hostess gift you've ever received? And what is the best hostess gift that you've ever given? It's funny because, you know, I've, um, I've written an entertainment book. And we're working with publishers now. And one of the things that I've put in there is it's like menu ideas. And it goes through the calendar and um, like how to like what tables to set. And it's really fun because... I had to rack my brain on actually coming up with party ideas throughout the year. And because I love to do it, but it was my brain hurt after I did it. But part of what I did was a hostess gift and for every party. Because it's important. You need to bring something. I and everybody, you know, a bottle of wine is fine. I think a bottle of wine is the minimum. Yeah. Or if they don't drink, you can bring some flowers or whatever. But I, I mean, I am horrified when people don't bring at least something to drink. I, I mean, that would be bare something. Minimum. You know, I'm trying to think. I just had a big Christmas party and I got really, really great things. You know, people can do very nice. You know, really, those big candles are nice. Like this of kind course. of candle. But the big ones, like the four wicks are good. Four wicks are good. I'll tell you what, one of the things that I learned actually in Paris that's really nice, and this is what a lot of Parisians do, they send flowers before. I love that. I love that too. So then you have the flowers. Yep. Like if you go to a dinner party, send flowers before. So beautiful. And just send like something like this that's like mm-hmm. kind of neutral. And you can put it anywhere. You could put it in a bathroom, you could put it somewhere in your house. And so the gesture has been made. And then if you feel like bringing a bottle of champagne to the door, you can. Sure. That's like a double. That's, that's pretty chic. I think sending flowers ahead of time is very, it's like, very it's chic. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Is there anything that isn't celebrated enough? Like, is there anything that, that people should be having parties about that they aren't? Mm. <laughs> I think it's actually... I want to pull it back in. Okay. Like, why are we celebrating the gender? I, oh, I can't it's the with stupid. That. It's the weirdest I thing I've ever heard in my life. I like, mean, it's I'm the so, dumbest thing I'm I've ever get, heard. Like, I'm get, I'll get hit for that one, but I really don't need, you know, a, a helicopter dropping 
like a pink balloon. Blue. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need that. No. And which balloons are really bad for our environment too. Um, I, I don't need that. How about just have the baby and tell what the gender is? But that, you know, that, I, I never found out what the gender was of any of my baby. Though that seems a bit much to me. <laughs> Sudden, I couldn't agree with you more. Do you? I mean, I I think gender reveal parties are the stupidest thing on the actual I, planet. It is so dumb. But, it's, the mylar I'll balloons get, are, are. I'm getting tr- mylar is terrible. And you know, speaking of Andy Warhol, I think he invented the mylar pillow. Oh, they were in a Merce Cunningham dance. The, oh. Yeah. And um, I actually gave them away as a, a gala gift. And people, and Merce signed them, and people were framing them. They were really cool. Um, they're terrible for our environment. But yeah, I mean, maybe reel it back. Um, since you do have the book, I love that you wrote a book. I didn't know you wrote a book about etiquette. This is perfect. I mean, I can't wait. It's very fun. It's not about etiquette. It's, it's really like entertaining, but um, and how not to be afraid of entertaining because I, I love think that. that people people have gotten afraid of it and kind of it's this lost art. And also, one of the things that I write about was if you have friends, like if you have a wine collector friend. And then you have someone that loves to make desserts. And then you have a friend that loves to, you know, I'm not good at this, like compile music together to make like a playlist. Tell your friends, you make the playlist, you bring the wine, you bring the dessert, I'm going to make the dinner. Maybe somebody loves to make floral arrangements. Do that and all come together and have a beautiful dinner party because then you've all worked together. And I mean, I love that kind of stuff. I love that. Yeah, I love that. I'm a control you know, freak, so that's tough for me. It's very tough for me because I'm like, I can do it all. Me too. <laughs> I will me do it too. all. Just bring nothing. Bring nothing. But you know, if you're scared because it seems intimidating, then work with people and collaborate. Do I agree that a text can replace a handwritten note? No, I actually don't. But I do love high note and I would die to become an official ambassador. Alexis, if you've made it this far, let's make that happen, okay? But whether you are attending a party or you've just attended a party or you've signed up for reality television, I think good manners just makes good sense. And good manners are just good. They're nice. They make the world go round. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't think we actually learned anything during the pandemic. I don't. I'm sorry. We didn't slow down. We didn't appreciate each other. We don't take the time for ourselves or our family. Or again, maybe that's just the world I'm living in. And listen, it might be old school, but I like it when people open the door for me, not just men, anybody. And I really appreciate it when someone thanks me for going out of my way to make them feel special. If we slowed down a little bit and sent a note, or a high note for that matter, I think the world would be better. I think that if we just stopped and thought about how nice it was to gather, even for cocktails, or if we eventized getting cocktails with our friends, either with an invitation or with a high note. I Literally, this episode could have been sponsored by High Note. It's absolutely not. This is fully editorial, but I love it. It's so fun. I think like making things a little bit special for ourselves and our friends, it goes a long way. And just a warning, if I send you a gift 
you better fucking send me a thank you. <laughs>